The Fake Show Podcast is sponsored by the law firm of Hutchison & Steffen, Moonshot.com T-Shirt Designs, The Craft House Brewery in Henderson, Mr. Antenna, and Banger Brewing in downtown Las Vegas. It's The Fake Show with Jim Toffey. Chris Kattan is probably best known for his eight seasons on Saturday Night Live. Also roles in A Night at the Roxbury and On the Middle. Chris has a brand new memoir which details a lot of personal stuff. I've got Chris Kattan on the line right now from Los Angeles. Chris, greetings from Las Vegas. How are you, buddy? Good morning. How are you? Oh, fantastic. Thank you. And and congratulations on your book. I'm about halfway through it. It must make you feel pretty good that a lot of your former SNL castmates think so highly of you. They comment in the book and, you know, throughout. Yeah, no, I'm uh, I'm one of the, yes, I'm very fortunate, you know. Um, uh, Seth Myers wrote a beautiful foreword in the book and, uh, you know, Molly Shannon and Jimmy Fallon, they read the book and they wrote wonderful things about it and um yeah i'm very blessed about that you do a lot of stand-up now but had you done any uh before or during snl or for that matter the groundlings i didn't know uh the groundlings uh the la-based improv group was uh you know they trained you to write sketch comedy and yeah. improvisation and build those skills you know so i didn't start doing stand-up until maybe six years ago you know i never uh i never thought about doing it until i want to get back in touch with uh, doing something in front of a live audience like I did on SNL. How different is that for someone like you who who did so many years of improv and stuff to, to suddenly do stand-up like that? Well, improv is a, a wonderful technique uh, for developing anything, really, when it comes to comedy, uh, especially, uh, you know, jokes and, and, and characters and stuff. And um, so it really helped me when it came to writing stand-up. It especially uh, is a great thing to fall back on when you're doing stand-up. And uh, you can improvise with the audience, which is one of the greatest, fun, one of the most fun things you could possibly do, is to improvise with somebody. And uh, a lot of uh, comedy and ideas can come out of that, just improvising with someone. So uh, it's a great skill that I'm happy to have uh, learned uh, that I get to use in stand-up. And it's, it's a lot of fun when that happens. Who were some of the people that were your comedy heroes as when you were coming up as a younger guy? Well, I loved a lot of the old classics because my dad was such a fan of old uh, old films. You know, I loved Buster Keaton and Chaplin and the Marx Brothers and yes, and you know uh, Laurel and Hardy and and, and uh, you know I was a big fan of those because those were the roots of comedy. You know, and um, but later, you know, I loved uh, Steve Martin and Eddie Murphy is one of my biggest heroes. Yeah, today I love. You know, I, I think I'm drawn towards, uh, you know, comedians that can act as well. You know, uh, I uh, I had I was fans of stand up comedians, but not nearly as much as the sketch comedians or the or the movie, the co- comedians that were in films. You know, I was more uh, more akin to uh, or, or I enjoyed watching, uh, you know, c- uh, comedians that could stretch, you know, stretch their personalities and their emotions. It was a great group of people that you came out of the groundlings with, wasn't it? It was, you know. Uh, there was a lot of great talent, you know, like Paul Rubens. He created Pee Wee Herman there. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Phil Hartman and Lisa Kudrow and Jennifer Coolidge and later Melissa McCarthy and Chris Wigg and Maya Rudolph. There's a lot of great talent that came out of that group, you know. It was, uh, yeah, it was It was a great time. There's a, doing improvisation at the groundlings is, is fantastic. It really is. Uh- it was kind of funny. I remember seeing Paul Rubens doing 
Pee-wee's Playhouse on stage really in the very early years uh, in the 80s. And the audience... No, it was actually, he was kind of touring it. And so it was in the Midwest. It was actually actually in Peoria, Illinois. And the crowd, the crowd didn't quite get it. There were actually a few people that were walking out and it was just hysterical. I mean, if you kind of understood what he was doing, it was the greatest. Right. Yeah. That's funny that they didn't understand it. (laughs) (laughs) You know, for that matter, I saw, I saw Franken and Davis uh, when I was in college and people didn't quite get, didn't get that either when they were doing their stand-up thing. Wow. Well, you, well, sounds like you have great taste in comedy, first of all. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, Frank and David, that's so strange to walk out of. I guess, it, I don't know what you're expecting when you see a Pee Wee Herman show, though. Maybe he, they thought it was a strip show or something. <laughs> right. So, were your characters basically fully formed by the time you got to SNL? Some of them were. You know, like Mr. Peters yeah. was, or the Rocks. The Roxbury guys with the Will. Will and I created the Roxbury guys with the Groundlings. Um, but like characters like Mango, I didn't develop until a few years later while I was on SNL. Who were the cast members that you were there with besides Will Ferrell? Oh, it was a, one of the best cast ever. I think it was Tina Fey and Kitty Fallon and Seth Meyers and Maya, Ro- Maya Rudolph and Amy Poehler and Tracy Morgan and Molly Shannon and Bill Forte and Fred Armisen. Oh, man. And, uh, yeah, it was it was a fantastic cast. I don't remember you cracking up a lot during sketches, but I'm assuming that Will Ferrell might have gotten to you once or twice. Yes, he did. Yeah, there was a, <laughs> well, there was a couple of sketches. One of them was called the Old Prospector, which never made it to air, <laughs> but it uh, it was a dress rehearsal, and that was very hard to keep my face. And of course, uh, more cowbell, more cowbell was not the easiest sketch to get through. Right. So funny in it. Yeah. And I mean, not too many people can use their stomach like he did, I guess, as a prop. No, it's it's incredible stomach. (laughs) One of the great bits uh, that I recall you doing is Kippy Strug, the brother of gymnast Carrie Strug. Was she totally on board with that? She was, you know, it was very, it was fantastic. (laughs) I, I, um, I, I didn't. Even, you know, when I realized I could sound, because Carrie Strug has a very high-pitched voice. It's like, yes, I yeah. Carrie Strug for the Olympics. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and doing that, uh, instead of doing an impression of her, uh, we found out that she was available to come to the show. Even with her broken foot, she came in crutches. Right. Because she did her, you know, won the gold medal in yeah. the Olympics. And um, instead of doing an impression of her, I decided to, to play her her fictitious brother, Kippy. She was Carrie, uh, and I was uh, Kippy. Uh, uh, so. You know, I know you're talking about this in the book, that, that there was a point on the show where you think you broke your neck, and this led to a lot of problems in the future, didn't it? Yeah, it did. I had uh, five surgeries after that, and, um, you know, it was uh, it was something I didn't... You know, I was full of shame about it. You know, I didn't want to tell anyone about it. I just want to keep growing. I was full of adrenaline, and I... I didn't want to be taken out of the show. When the doctor told me, you know, I had to have surgery, that was the last thing I ever wanted. You know, I never, ever wanted to have surgery. And it's, uh, it's a scary, scary thing to think that someone's going to open your back and go in there and parts of pieces of titanium in your neck and your back. And, you know, but I, I had to do it. You know, I injured myself in a sketch on SNL and that's, I had to do it. You know, I would have been paralyzed had I not. You know, it's, it's a crazy thing to think of, you know, because you don't yeah. think about that when you you don't know the repercussions you don't know how bad it is until someone really tells you honestly 
Yeah, so many athletes go through that. And so did SNL, did, did Lauren Michaels, did they cover you on this? Did they have your back? They, 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 they took care of the first two surgeries uh, for me. Um, so, yeah, they, they, they did take care of me. Uh, not the following surgeries, but um, but they did. You know, they were uh, they knew about the injury and, and they were, uh, you know, they were saying, we'll take care of it. So uh, they did. They took care of the first two surgeries. It had, had enough of an effect that eventually you would go off the show, though, right? Oh, well, that's not the reason why I left the show. Um, I left the show because it was eight years and I thought that was a great run, you know. Yeah. And, um, you know, I wanted to get back to uh, the West Coast and start a life there. You know, what Bill Murray said, though, he said it best about SNL. You know, if you can survive SNL, you can survive anything. I think he said, like, if you could do four years on SNL, you could survive anything. And I did about almost eight years. So, yeah, it's a, it's really an an incredible run, actually. And everybody's experience seems to be different on the show. I'm just glad that you still have a lot of friends of your former castmates. Oh, of course, I do. I have a great deal of friends, and you you know, like Seth Meyers, the forward in the book, and Molly Shannon and Jimmy, and they they all said something on the book, and they read the book and loved it. So, uh, yeah, I have a lot of friends still from the show, for sure. I made a lot of great friends, you know. The book is a great read. I I hope that uh, you'll be doing stand-up here in Vegas at some point. Oh, I'd love to. I did do a show there once. Uh, Rob Schneider and I did a show there once, and um, it was great. I love Vegas. Plus, it's tax-free, but that doesn't matter. I don't know. (laughs) But... uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> hey, that's why the pro the pro athletes are loving coming here right now with hockey and football coming here. Oh, is that right? So they can yeah. get their hockey sticks and not have to pay the tax. And not have to pay the tax, that's right. Well, Chris's book, his memoir, Baby Don't Hurt Me, is available everywhere. So great to talk to you, Chris. I wish you nothing but the best. Great talking to you. Thank All you, right, buddy. Bye-bye. Chris's book is getting a lot of great reviews. It's available on Amazon and other platforms. Hopefully, we see a lot more of him in the future. That ends this episode of The Fake Show. I'm Jim Tofty. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time. Take The Fake Show on the road by listening on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, and The fakeshow.com.